Alright. So we're gonna cover Exodus 3. I was struck by verse 1. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. At this point of his life, he is nobody to everyone's standards during that time. He doesn't even own his own flock, but he just takes care of his father-in-law's flock. And I was thinking, how did Moses view himself? It was such a big fall from being in the household of Pharaoh. And I think there was probably a point in his being in the desert being dejected and frustrated. But I think by this point of his life, he is accepting of it. And we see a very humble old man here. Moses probably thought you know, he was disqualified to be used by God. His time had passed. But we see that God chooses him uh, to deliver his people. And I thought this is the kind of person actually that God delights in. Someone who's striving for his ego is gone and is a humble person. And I think that type of person is able to do what he did, which is to see the bush that was burning and notice that it was not consumed and turn aside. And I was thinking, would I be able to do that? I think if I was Moses, I would be stressed out trying to find that lost sheep and wanting to prove myself or do a good job. And in some ways, because of that, I would have missed out on the burning bush and I wouldn't have the curiosity or the roominess of heart to turn aside and investigate, even though God would be beckoning me. Okay, so in terms of what God is like, in verse 4, it uh, says that when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And uh, just a few things uh, from here about what God is like. I, I just thought that it shows that God is waiting to address us. He calls to us and there are these burning bushes. There are signs of God's presence and God's activity. And when we actually have that kind of roominess to turn aside uh, to see, then God calls to us. And so maybe it's the case that God is trying to get our attention a lot more than we think. And uh, when he calls to Moses, uh, just the way that he does that and says, Moses, Moses, there's something about that repetition that reveals um, a certain tenderness and a certain uh, personal quality that God calls to us. Personally, he knows who we are and uh, it's very inviting. And I think that's something about the way that maybe God has worked in our lives and how we started to seek God, we can relate with that. And then verse five, um, it says, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And I think just one thing that we can learn about God is that he's holy, that Moses could not come near because he would be destroyed, that God is holy, that the ground and the place uh, that is occupied by God's presence is sacred. And that's why he has to take his sandals off his feet later on when Moses wants to see, when Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the, the Ten Commandments, the same kind of experience that he has of God's, God's holiness, uh, God's majesty. And it says in verse six that he hid his face before he was afraid to look at God. And I think that's just, of course, the key aspect of who God is, that he is holy and that as sinful beings, uh, we cannot enter into his presence. Also, verse six, he says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And I just thought it was really interesting how God identifies himself to Moses. He identifies himself with reference to these people. And I thought that's really amazing because he could have said, you know, I am the, the one and only God, uh, the creator, uh, the ruler of the universe. But instead he says, I'm the God of your fathers. Uh, I'm the God of uh, these people. And so he identifies himself by the human beings that he has covenanted with. I think that there's something about that that is so relational, so humble. So that's who God is. And who are we that he would identify himself with sinners like us? And yet uh, that's what he does. Verse seven and on, God reveals his heart to Moses. And I just noted the different verbs that's associated to God. He said, verse one, sees the affliction. Also verse seven, knows their suffering. And verse eight, come down to deliver. 
And also verse 9, it says, you know, the cry of the people have come to me, and I have also seen the oppression. And so this portrait of God really dispels the misconception that God is distant and aloof. Or some people have the thought is God is so big and he's just attending to important things. He doesn't know about my pain, my suffering. But this portrait corrects that. You know, he sees the Israelites' affliction and he knows their suffering and he is delivering them at this moment out of their suffering. And so that's something just to hold on to, I think, especially when we're in the midst of some difficulty or pain or suffering, to go back to this passage. I think uh, this passage also is a foreshadowing of what God uh, will do in sending Jesus. Um, it's because he saw the affliction of human beings who were in bondage to sin. He heard our cries and he knew our suffering and he came down to deliver us through sending Jesus and through the cross, Good Friday and Easter that we just went through. That was the way uh, that God responded to the affliction that we were in. And I think that's just a portrait of that that we get through this passage. So then in verse 10, the surprising turn is that God says to Moses, come, I will send you. And so uh, his response when he says, I've come down to deliver is, or the way that he's gonna do that is by sending Moses. And Moses is going to have the seemingly impossible task of confronting Pharaoh and um, confronting him with 10 plagues. And only after 10 plagues does he finally let the Israelites go. And then Moses has to lead them through the wilderness, through the desert, these grumbling and very obstinate people, two million of them, through the desert for 40 years. And that kind of extremely daunting task. And God says, I'm sending you to do that. And I think that's a good way to think about the work of ministry and what God wants to do. He shares his heart with us. He says, I have seen the affliction of people and I've heard their cries, I know their sufferings, and therefore I am sending you. I'm sending you with the good news of the gospel and go and make disciples of all nations and share the good news of the gospel. And that, that's a very daunting and impossible task. But he says, verse 12, but I will be with you. And so just as God was with Moses to do this impossible thing of delivering God's people out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land, I think that is a very apt picture of what God calls us to do as followers of Jesus to share in his heart, to go and to release people from their bondage to sin. And, and then as we go about that very impossible task, he's with us.